had this message on my desk for a while at the house and hadn't ever, I didn't really do no studying until the Lord really pressed it upon my heart this week. So I need to really dig into this thing. Uh, I thank God for it and for what he's taught me. But this, this message helped me with my life and some things I was dealing with. So I thank God for it. The Bible says here, in verse, beginning in verse number 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Take the sum of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi, after their families by the house of their fathers, from thirty years old and upward, even until fifty years old. All that enter into the host to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation. This, this shall be the service of the sons of Kohath and the tabernacle of the congregation about the most holy things. And when the camp setteth forward, Aaron shall come and his sons, and they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it. And shall put thereon the covering of badger skins, and shall spread over it a cloth woolly of blue, and shall put in the staves thereof. And upon the table of showbread uh, they shall spread a cloth of blue, and put thereon the dishes, and the spoons, and the bowls, and the covers to cover withal. And the continual bread shall be thereon. And they shall spread upon them a cloth of scarlet, and cover the same with a covering of badger skin, and shall put in the staves thereof. And they shall take a cloth of blue, and cover the candlestick of the light, and his lamps, and his tongs, and his snuff dishes, and all the oil vessels thereof, wherewith they minister unto it. And they shall put it, and all the vessels thereof, within a covering of badger skins, and shall put upon a bar. And upon the golden altar they shall spread a cloth of blue, and cover it with a covering of badger skins, and shall put to the staves thereof. And they shall take all the instruments of ministry, wherewith they minister in the sanctuary, and put them in a cloth of blue, and cover them with a covering of badger skins, and shall put them on a bar. This is what I'm interested in tonight. And they shall take away the ashes from the altar, and spread a purple cloth thereon. I want to preach to you tonight with the Lord being my helper on this thought and this subject, removing the ashes from your altar. Removing the ashes from your altar. Let's pray. Our Father and God, as we humbly come into your house tonight, and Lord, just try our best to preach the message in which you've given us. Lord, I pray you would, uh, by the way of the Holy Ghost, come down and help us tonight. And God, I pray for each and every soul that's here. I pray, God, you'd bless them. Lord, uh, I pray that you would uh, help each and individual that's here, the families are here. Lord, I pray this message would touch them in some special way. But God, we can't do nothing without your help, and we're in need of it. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You be seated. Amen. Removing the ashes from your altar. The origin of the altar goes clear back to Genesis. Now, this is more of a history tonight. 
But I think it's something we need to realize. When Noah built an altar to offer a sacrifice after the flood. In Genesis 8 and 20, the Bible says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. Following that, uh, there are many references to the altar, beginning with Abraham and continuing through the New Testament. We see mentions of the altar. Now, in Old Testament times, uh, there were many restrictions concerning the altar. Uh, For example, in Exodus chapter number 20, uh, verses 24 through 26, the Bible says the altar was to be made of earth or stone that had not been shaped or cut with human hands, and there were to be no steps going to the altar. That That was the order in which it was to be made. Now, over in Deuteronomy chapter 27 and Joshua chapter number 8, the stones were not to be cut by man uh, and because this, this was said that it would pollute the altar. Uh, anytime man tries to do anything that has to do with God, right. it pollutes it. Yeah. Amen. A man can't do nothing without God being his helper. Right. So if a man cut the stone for the altar it would have been polluted. He said not to do that. Now, the altar was used to make animal sacrifices unto the Lord. Uh, Now, the purification of the altar was accomplished by sprinkling it with blood. And if you do any studying, uh, you could do so much studying on the altar and and look at the different altars that that were made uh, that God had told them to make and how they were made. But he said, you would sprinkle the blood upon the altar to purify. Altars, uh, altars were often erected in places uh, where the Lord had accomplished some great work or had some great deliverance. I'll tell you tonight, to be honest, uh, you can find a great work upon the altar. Uh, you can find deliverance upon an altar of prayer. You know what is a burden to me? Uh, if you go service after service after service, and I've seen people that haven't been on the altar in years. They never gather around an altar of prayer. Where are you finding your deliverance from? Amen. Amen. I'm talking about gathering around an old-fashioned altar and praying. I I try to get up on the altar uh, every church service. Not saying I don't have my altar at home. I know that's true, but there's something about being in the house of God. Gathering around his altar is where I can find some help. I can find some uh, deliverance gathering around the altar. Amen. Amen. That's where they erected these altars at. Later, the Israelites had altars in the tabernacle uh, in the desert. And then once Solomon's temple was built, there were altars in the temple. Uh, The Lord... uh, you know, he gave very detailed instructions about where the altar was to be placed and how it was to be built. You know, man didn't come up with it. God gave it to him. Where he wanted it and how he wanted it done. But the main function of the altar was for a sacrifice and was for worship. That's the main function for the altar. 
to bring a sacrifice and to worship. You know, you can praise God all day up here. You can shout. You can wave your hands toward heaven and do, but you want to worship God, you got to get on His level. And that's the altar. That's where you find your worship at. On the altar of prayer. And special care had to be taken in order to keep that altar holy. There's something we could preach on a long time. It's keeping our altars holy. Keeping our altars holy. You know when God said, take your shoes off, boy, this is holy ground you're walking on. Right. Yeah. Keeping our altars holy. But just for just for a minute, I want to look at these verses, 1 through 13. I, I need to give you a background before we really get into the message. We'll go fast, I promise. Verses uh, 1 uh, through 4, I believe it is, 1 through 5, uh, we can see that the Lord gave Moses uh, instructions on the task assigned for service. Now, Moses was their pastor. Moses was their pastor. He was leading them. He was God's chosen. Uh, And may I say to you tonight, uh, we all have a part in the service of our Lord. Hey, it's not just one man's job. It's not just two man's job. We all have some part in serving our Lord. Hey, we all are different and unique. And we can offer different things to the Lord for His service. If you look in there, He called out what each person was to do each group was to do but not only that god used the pastor to order the service god used the pastor to order that service you know what that tells me i'm reminded of i was told this story about brother earl over at Ammon, pastor at Ammon. Anyways, a lady stood up at his church one night and said, The Lord just sent me here to tell you. And Earl stood up and said, He didn't tell me nothing. You need to sit down. <laughs> and we say, Well, what so? That sounds mean. No, it's not mean. Hey, if the Lord's going to tell somebody something, it'll be the pastor. Amen. If the Lord Lord wants something to happen in the church, He'll let the pastor know. He'll let the one in authority know. Amen. That's what He did. He told Moses how to set this thing up. The order of service. Moses was told. He didn't tell the deacon. He didn't tell the Sunday school teacher. He told Moses, Moses, this is how we're going to do it. This is how it needs to be done. Praise God. Give the authority where it deserves to be. Verse 6, it tells us about... uh, how they were going to carry it on their shoulders. Uh, that's, right. what, that's what it was for. Uh, they, they covered it, and then they had these rings, and they put these sticks through it. That's right. They put it on their shoulders, and they carried it. Why? Because it was holy. It was holy. Uh, verse 7, uh, it speaks of the uh, bread that was going to be continually in the presence of the Lord, representing manna that God provided daily in the wilderness. 
Verse 8 goes on to talk about the covering of the table. Uh, Verses 9 and 10, we see the candlestick, the lamps, the oil. All that has its place. I want you to know, if you, I, I could drag this message out, we'd be here all night telling you the places for it, but it all has its place. God had it there for a reason. You should study it. All the way down to verse number 12, where he says, uh, he talks about the garments that were to be worn. He even told them what to wear. All the way down to it. But verse number 13 speaks only of this, the care that was taken to keep it holy, and that was to get rid of the ashes that accumulated on a daily basis. You ask me tonight, you say, well, preacher, why was that so important? Why was the ashes, why is that so important? I'm glad you asked, because that's what I want to tell you tonight. Years ago, people used coal to heat the house. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Man, y'all are old. <laughs> Just joking. They used coal to heat the house. And, and they had coal or they had a wood furnace. Now, my grandmother had a wood furnace, but uh, or they used a potbelly stove of some sort. Now, coal would provide heat, preacher. It would heat your house. It would heat uh, anything, but coal was dirty. Uh, coal was dirty. Uh, and after the coal burned out, there, there's a big pile of black soot. Uh, and you don't want to be breathing that stuff. But that's what's left after the coal is burned out. And if you don't remove it, if you keep that soot there and you keep trying to pile more on, eventually this happens. It burns you, it, it smothers your fire out. It smothers it and your fire is gone. Yep. This, is what, this is what God wants to say. One of the jobs of the priest was to never let the flame on the altar go out. That was his job uh, because that flame represented the presence of God. Uh, they didn't use coal, they used wood. Now, since the altar was burning 24-7, the priest would not go, uh, would not have to go to the altar and scrape the ashes off. He had to go, I'm sorry, to the altar and scrape off the ashes because if he did not, he left the ashes on there, the fire would eventually go out. And when that fire went out, uh, that, that, that brought judgment on the people because God was gone. So after they scraped the ashes, they would redress the altar with a purple cloth. And that's what the Bible says there in verse number 13. Now I said all of that for this reason. Get this. Many of us tonight need to go and get in a proper worship position and scrape off the stuff that's causing us to miss our blessing and causing our fire for God to go out. I'm telling you tonight, many of our altars are slammed full of ashes. And we need to go and get to a place of worship with God. And we need to clean our altars up. Why? Because our fire is gone. The fire for God we once had is gone. Uh, You're saying... Preacher, uh, I want God to bless my finances, but you refuse to tithe. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, don't get quiet. Yeah. 
You want God to bless my finances, but I won't tithe. I want God to bless my finances, but I'm still playing the lottery. Hey, that's... Mm, scrape a little bit. Oh, you want God to fix your marriage, but you refuse to try. You refuse to give forth an effort to fix your marriage, but you want God to fix it. You need to scrape it. You want God to bless you spiritually. You want God to heal you, but you refuse to turn over the burden to Him and trust that He'll take it away. Uh, Many times we bring stuff to the altar. Instead of leaving it with God, we pick it up and take it back home with us. Uh, God says to leave it with Him. I'll take care of it. Scrape the altar. Church, it's time to get those ashes off the altar. Uh, God wants to bless us. God wants to help us. But the the ashes is what's putting out our fires. Those ashes are putting out our fires. I'm going to give you three things about ashes. Then we'll go eat. I know everybody's wanting to eat. First of all, I want you to know something. Ashes are bitter. You'll know this if you've ever burned anything while grilling out. If you've ever burned a biscuit in the oven and you went and grabbed it and put it in, took a big bite, the first thing you noticed was that thing was bitter. Right. That wasn't no good. Right. No one enjoys ashes. I sure don't because they taste bitter. Right. Mm. Some people. We've been eating the ashes of painful experiences. Uh, We've been eating the ashes of painful relationships uh, uh, for so long that we are just bitter all the time with everybody, with everything we come in contact with. We just become bitter about everything because we're used to eating ashes all the time. Hey, I'm saying it's time to get rid of ashes. Put some steak on that altar. Hey, I want to eat good. I don't want to eat ashes. Hebrews 12 and 15 tells us, uh, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble, up trouble you, and thereby may be defiled. Paul here, he's saying that the root of bitterness will not only defile us, but people around us. How true is that? How true is that? You get around to somebody's negative before you leave, you're on the pity pot too. You get around somebody who's bitter, and before you you bitter, you're just bitter as they are. When we feed on ashes, it could be a grudge, holding a grudge against somebody. We can feed on an ash uh, 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 by failures in our life that we can't let go, stress that comes our way. We become bitter to ourselves and everybody around us. Nobody's perfect. You say, well, I don't do that. I don't feed on ashes. Be honest with yourself. I'll be honest with myself. How many times do you have a bad day at work, come home and snap at your wife? How many times do you have a bad day, anything, and snap at somebody? Nobody's not their fault. But yet, you've been eating ashes all day. 
and I'm going to take it out on you, brother. You, you, you may just say hey to me, and bless God, I'm going to let you have it. That's ashes of bitterness. That's growing bitter. Some people snap at their wives. Some wives snap at their husbands. Uh, uh, some, some people ground their kids when the kids didn't really do nothing. Hey, some even go by and kick the dog. Which is not his fault, not her fault. Some of them get bitter and walk out of the church house. Say, I ain't never coming back. Bitterness. What I'm trying to say is we have to let the root we cannot let the root of bitterness defile us. Right. That's what Paul was yeah. saying here. Paul said, you've let it defile you. You've been defiled by bitterness. Uh, you've been defiled by hurt. You've been defiled. It's going to hurt your worship. You're not going to worship the way you're supposed to when you're holding on to bitterness. Right. Yeah. It hurts your relationships, preacher. Yeah. It'll hurt that re- relationship yeah. because you're right. bitter. You see, the enemy loves to hurt me personally with stuff that happened yesterday so I can be bitter today. That's true. You get that. With something that happened yesterday, he can hurt you with today. Why? Because he wants you to stay bitter. Right. Now, John 10 and 10 tells us, The thief cometh not but... For to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Thank God. Thank God. Jesus said a thief is going to steal. A thief is going to rob. And a thief is going to kill. But if we'll get a hold of this. I come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. Well, praise God. What's that tell me? That tells me I don't have to eat ash. I I can take it to the Lord and leave it there with Him. Hey, we've all failed God sometime in some way. I failed God yesterday. But I can't do nothing about it today. Hey, something bad happened yesterday. But I can't do nothing about it today. But bless God, I can be a better person today than I was yesterday. I can be closer to God today than I was yesterday. But there's nothing I can do about it. You may have been hurt yesterday, but today's a new day. Tomorrow's going to be a new day. You may have had a terrible week last week at work. Tomorrow is a new day. You can go in there and be a different person. What are you saying? I'm saying we need to scrape the ashes off the altar. And get up and claim that abundant life. Jesus promised it. If he don't keep that promise, he wouldn't keep none of them. Now, I'm just being honest. Uh, If I couldn't trust him with that, I can't trust him with nothing. Well, what are you saying? I'm saying we ain't got the abundant life because we're not claiming it. We're, We're eating bitter, we're just eating bitter ashes. We don't have no abundance life because that's why, brother. God don't do it. We do it to ourselves. 
Well, preacher, how do you know what you're talking about? Because I've been bitter, I know. When you decide, bless God, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to do. You'll get a whole lot happier. You'll get a whole lot happier. When you say, Lord, take control. I can't handle it. Will you please handle it? You'll get a whole lot happier in your spirit. Boy, you'll be ready to shout again. You'll be ready to shout again. I'm trying to help you tonight. Ashes are bitter. Christ has got the abundant life. Number two, ashes provide no strength. Provide no strength. There's absolutely no nutrition in ashes. Nothing. We will grow weaker and weaker if we only feed on them. Psalms 102 and verse 4, David says this, My my heart is smitten uh, and, and withered like grass so that I forgot to eat my bread. Well, why did he forget to eat his bread? Well, going down to verse number 9, he tells you why. For I have eaten ashes like bread and, and mingled my drink with weeping. Yep. In other words, David's saying, I become so busy dealing with everything else, I forgot to eat the bread of life. Yeah. Right. Just as you said this morning, preacher, I've been so busy shopping, I forgot to get down and worship the Savior. Right. I've been so busy with everything else in life, I forgot. David said, I've been in this situation for so long, I forgot to eat the bread. I forgot to eat the bread, and now I'm weak. Right. Church, when we forget to eat the bread, we're going to get weak. Yeah. When we, for, we, we, we need food to keep us strong. Amen. Ashes only make us weak and weaker, and they offer no strength for you. What do we need to feed on? We need to feed on the Word. Yeah. We need to feed on the blessed Word of God. That's where our hope is. And what Jesus said, what Jesus has done, what has been accomplished, that's where our hope lies. That's what I need to feed on. I need to feed on the Holy Spirit. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, uh, it's because we need to let the Holy Spirit have lordship in our lives instead of shutting Him out. Feed on the Holy Spirit. We need to scrape off the ashes of hurt and feed tonight. Feed. You know what's funny? Satan doesn't bother you while you're on the couch watching TV. He don't bother you. Why? Because you're watching TV and you're eating ashes of sorrows. But I'll tell you one thing. He'll wait until you leave a Bible study. Yeah. Uh, he'll wait till you leave Wednesday night prayer meeting, and then he'll get on your case when you get when you scrape some ashes off the altar, you get something done for God. Yeah. Right. What about this, preacher? Uh, uh, when, when you decide to make your mind up, you're going to forgive him. Yeah. That's when Satan gets on your case right there. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to let it go. 
when it gets on your shoulder. Or you decide you're going to serve God no matter what. See, bless God, I'm going to serve Him no matter what comes my way. That's when the attack starts. That's when the attack starts. Why? Because He wants you to get right back on the couch and eat a little ash. That's why. They offer no strength. Number three. Ashes will make you sick. Exodus chapter number 16. The Lord gave Moses instruction concerning the manna. This is what he told him now. He said, you take enough for today. You take enough for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. You get what I provide for you today. You take it and you eat. And you trust it to be back tomorrow. I'm paraphrasing. But you know what some people did? They ignored that. And they kept some overnight. They tried to store some up for the next day, preacher. And the Bible says that worms got in it. And it stank. That's what the Bible says. But when they followed God's plan... And gathered fresh manna every day. The Bible says in Numbers 11 and 8. And the people went about and gathered it. And ground it in the mills or or beat it. And baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of fresh oil. Get this. Oil represents the anointing of God. Mm, that's good. I said it tastes like fresh oil. Amen. Yesterday's manna breeds worms and it stinks. And if we eat it, we're only going to get sick. Yeah. But here's the good news. Today's manna Tastes fresh. Right. It tastes like fresh oil. Amen. Yeah. Not only that, but it's going to give us the strength we need. Yeah. What I'm trying to tell you tonight, we need to make our mind up. Despite what happened yesterday, despite what happened last week, despite everything. Today, I'm going to seek some fresh manna. I'm going to seek some fresh oil. I'm going to get blessed today. I'm going to trust God today. I can't change last week, but bless God, I can do something about today. And that's what we need to be thinking about. Today. Too many people are walking around hurt about yesterday. Today, I can get something done for God today. I can trust God's going to bless me today. Instead of moping about yesterday, I'm going to seek a fresh anointing today. Today, I'm going to rise above. Today, I'm going to stop letting people take my joy. 
I'm going to stop it. You're not taking my joy no more. My joy is in Christ, in Christ alone. You can't have it. Devil, you can't have it. My joy is in the Lord. And you're not going to take it from me. Today, you can make that decision. Today, I'm going to get in a proper relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ so I can hear from God. You can make that decision. Today's going to be the day I'm going to do that. Today. Ashes on the altar produce bitterness, weakness, and sickness. But when you get in a fresh touch from our Heavenly Father, you'll receive the opposite. Bitterness will be replaced with sweetness. Weakness will be replaced with strength. Sickness will be replaced with health. You won't hunger no more. You'll be satisfied. In closing. I don't know where you stand tonight. You may still be eating on ashes. But I do know this. I myself had to scrape some ashes off the altar. And I'm man enough to admit it. I had to get down on God's level and scrape that altar clean. Scrape it clean and say, Lord, I need a fresh anointing. I need help. I need to let it go. I can't change a thing, but I can serve you today. I can do today. But I can't change yesterday. I can't afford for my altar to get ashy. I just can't afford it. Spiritually. Church, we need to stop feeding on ashes. Stop being so content with where we're at. Stop being just just stop saying, you know what, I'm gonna be hurting forever. You know, we don't have to do that. God's there. He's there to help us. Stop trying to fill up on ashes. You're still going to be hungry. The ash will only steal your joy, steal your strength. Instead, we need a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost. Fresh dose. But here's the questions. Are you willing to put forth the effort to cut new wood? Hey, if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna bring it, bring something to the altar, you gotta have some fresh wood to burn. You gotta remove that ash and put some fresh wood down. It starts tonight. You, you, you can bring the Lord a fresh bundle of wood and say, God, send fire from heaven to my soul. Are you willing to build a fresh altar and pray for fire? That's how it's going to come. You got to rebuild it, and you got to pray. Yeah. Or are you going to be willing just to leave the ashes on the altar and say, "I'd rather eat ash"?
it's time for us to scrape the altars clean and ask God for a fresh anointing.